0: You're listening to the Burke and Ms. the Wiz Montalban Fantasy Football Podcast. The place I go to get my fantasy fulfilled. The best analysis, advice, and opinions on fantasy football that you can't find anywhere else. Let the fantasy begin. Breaking news alert! Burke and Ms. talk off-season signings. Please call the police if you see anyone suspicious not listening to this podcast. Let's jump right into the breaking news, just because there's a lot of it. With us only doing the podcast once a week, it starts to get kind of uh, extensive, so we'll go through everything. But before I do that, I'd like to give a shout out to a special listener that goes by the name of Micah Giovanni. We appreciate you, buddy. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy the show. You, we already know you know a lot about football, so you don't really need us. But we appreciate you listening anyway. So let's get right into the breaking news. And the first line of news is that Leonard Fournette resigns with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's pretty important. I mean, Ronald Jones is there, so it's like, what is that going to look like? Is it going to look like the playoff Buccaneers where? Leonard Fournette was kind of the workhorse back, or is it going to be regular season Buccaneers where they kind of worked both of them in with Ronald Jones getting the majority of the work? It's going to it kind of hurts both their values, and I don't know where you go with it. I mean, if you have a chance to get Leonard Fournette a little bit later in the draft, I think he's worth the gamble to to take, and I definitely think he'll get his carries. I just don't expect you know him with Ronald Jones being there to be the the you know the playoff Leonard Fournette that you saw. And uh, to be really productive for your fantasy football team. But it's a good signing by the Buccaneers. They have a lot of depth at running back now. And I mean, with just all those weapons they have, it's, they're going to have a high powered offense again. Miami, man, they cut him as fast as they got him. Miami offensive tackle Isaiah Wilson was released for the, uh, by the team because he was more than an hour late to a physical. So, I don't know how many times this guy has to try to sabotage himself, but, I mean, he was just a first-round pick, what, last year, and he's already out of the league, and I don't see a team giving him a chance. I mean, Miami was probably the worst place he could have went with all the distractions that were there, but it didn't matter because he didn't even last. (laughs) You know, he didn't show up for the physical. uh, Chronically late, chronically not caring, you know, he blamed the Titans uh, for, you know, a bad environment, but... Uh, you really hate to see a guy sabotage his career like that. And will he regret it later on? More than likely he will. But, uh, I mean, maybe, you know, obviously he doesn't care, and he doesn't want to play football. So you can't make a guy want to play football. And in this case, Isaiah Wilson I would say is just pretty much done with the NFL at this point. Um, And the NFL is pretty much done with him, to kind of flip it back the other way. Wide receiver Kenny Galladay signs with the Giants. Great signing by the Giants. When you have Shepard Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, you know, you have Evan Ingram. They just signed Kyle Rudolph. Uh, Kenny Galladay is a good signing. It's really giving the Giants a lot of weapons. I mean, Saquon Barkley, of course. So there's really no excuse for Daniel Jones not to be successful in this offense. So if he has another mediocre season like he had last year, that's squarely on Daniel Jones. I mean, they've tried to revamp the line. I think they can do a little bit more work on the offensive line. But overall... I mean, they have weapons and their offense shouldn't be struggling. So we'll see how that goes. I think, you know, it hurts Kenny Galladay's value a little bit just because, you know, he's going to be in a place where they might be spreading the ball around a little bit more. Um, and I just, you know, with Daniel Jones as his quarterback, that doesn't give me a lot of confidence for consistency. So for the Giants, it's good. For Kenny Galladay, dynasty owners, or if you're planning on drafting him, it's. Uh, you wish he went to a better situation. Panthers signed tight end Dan Arnold, formerly of the Arizona Cardinals. He was pretty productive for the Cardinals. They didn't use him a lot, but, I mean, he was able to, you know, they were able to work the ball downfield to him. He had some big plays. Panthers didn't have any tight end depth whatsoever. They actually, their their tight ends were pretty pathetic. And I'm thinking that they're going to draft a quarterback in the first round, so they definitely... uh, need to work on that on their tight end depth. Ian Thomas is, you know, he's all right, but he's not a starting caliber, like, weapon to use in the, in the passing game, so maybe Dan Arnold can help with that a little bit, because he actually wasn't that bad of a pass catching tight end, they just didn't use him that much in uh, Arizona. Sticking with, well, these next actually couple are going to be tight ends, but the Bills signed tight end Jacob Hollister from Seattle Seahawks, and Hollister, it's a good signing. I mean, he played at Wyoming with G- uh, Josh Allen, so there's some familiarity there. Dawson Knox is really starting to come along, so uh, I, I don't think this hurts Dawson Knox like intrigue and value going into the season. Like I think Dawson Knox can be a low key like uh, fantasy asset going into the season if they started to use him like they were towards the end of the season. But uh, it's good to have a Jacob Hollister on there too. I mean, the, they they had Tyler Croft. As a, a guy that was getting a lot of receiving yards and touchdowns at that tight end position for the Bills, and he's not there as we're going to find out. But uh, I think Jacob Hollister is a good depth signing, and uh, you know, I, I think the Bills are going to try to utilize that position a little bit more in their attack. The Jets signed tight end Tyler Croft. Speaking of which, he was uh, he he came from the Buffalo Bills, and now he's going to the Jets. Um, the Jets have Chris Herndon who everyone talks about and raves about, like, this is his year, man. This is going to be his year. He's going to be healthy and available. And he really didn't do much until the end of the year where he started to actually have some consistency. And, like, he was a total bust until, what, the last, like, four weeks of the season. Um, but uh, having Tyler Croft there, I mean, he's a good receiving tight end and I'll uh, give, you know, the Jets a couple weapons at tight end. Now the key is who's going to be quarterback and are they going to utilize him? Um, that you know, that's always going to be the question. So, Jets' offense is kind of incomplete right now. We need to see what they have to see uh, how the signing is going to, uh, what kind of value the signing is going to have. Bengals sign offensive tackle Riley Reef, and this is a good signing. Reef was you know playing for Minnesota, and the Bengals really need to improve their offensive line to uh, give Burrow some some opportunities and. As much as the Bengals were passing last year, uh, they really weren't able to protect them very well. So you figure that Jonah Williams, they just signed uh, in Riley Reef. I think they want to go that way in the draft. Maybe they can move uh, Jonah inside to guard or something. Um, uh, they're, they're working on that offensive line as they should because you have a franchise quarterback like that, and it's looking like Joe Burrow might be that. You really need to put pieces around him to protect him. So, good move. Bears released cornerback Kyle, Kyle, uh, Kyle Fuller, and he promptly signs with the Denver Broncos. So, good move by the Broncos. You know, they signed Ronald Darby, and they released uh, A.J. Bowie. Uh, so, that Darby signing kind of replaces A.J. Bowie. Now they have Kyle Fuller as well. You, you know, I, I'm really liking their secondary group. You know, they they released Kareem Jackson and then re-signed him. Uh, Simmons is already there on the franchise tag. You're going to have Callahan as a nickel guy. I'm really liking the way this Broncos secondary is coming together. And uh, I like Denver's defense. I think their offense kind of put them in spots where it made their defense look worse than it was. And with these moves, I think it solidifies Denver's defense a little bit more. Uh, speaking of defense, this is back with the Jets. Uh, linebacker Carl Lawson signs with them. I think this is kind of low-key, the most uh, uh, underrated signing of the offseason. Carl Lawson was just a beast. He just happened to play for the Bengals, so no one paid attention to him. But, I mean, he was a handful for offensive tackles to manage. Now that he's with the Jets, I think he's going to just continue that and and be a dominant force. Uh, He's going to get more, uh, I think he gets more recognition now that he's in New York, but... uh, He's always been a good outside linebacker, and I really like this move by the Jets. Gerald Everett, the tight end for the Seahawks, or sorry, the Rams, signs with the Seattle Seahawks. Really good signing here. I love Gerald Everett. It was kind of the situations where they had Tyler Higbee and Gerald Everett, and they kind of took away from each other. I don't see anyone kind of taking over for him in that spot. I mean, it's him and Will Disley who's always hurt. So Gerald Everett could be a really good fantasy option later in the draft. Um... I just think he's a good playmaker. Uh, Seattle, I think, will utilize him more than the Rams did, and it's really good signing by the the Seahawks to get, to get Everett, especially with you know DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. You add Everett in there to kind of you know stretch the field a little bit, uh, get those passes down the seams. It's a it's a good signing. Deshaun Jackson signs with the Rams. You know he's released by the Eagles because Eagles are just in salary cap hell, and Deshaun Jackson's a big playmaker. Only issue is he's been hurt a lot the last couple of years. So going to the Rams, that's a good move. The Rams lost Josh Reynolds, and having Cooper Cup, Bobby Trees, and Deshaun Jackson uh, catching passes for this offense is going to be significant, especially with Matthew Stafford. Uh, I really I like what the the Rams did with this signing here. He, Deshaun Jackson's a big playmaker. They don't have to use him a lot doesn't have to start they can put them in there uh, on certain packages and uh, it really brings value Uh, i just mentioned josh reynolds wasn't with the rams and he just signed with the tennessee titans so good move by the titans they lost Corey davis josh reynolds was really good he just obviously was behind some pretty good receivers and in los angeles so I think Josh Rand- Reynolds could be a, a pretty good piece for the Titans opposite of A.J. Brown or in that slot position where, you know, I like Josh Reynolds in the slot better than I like him on the outside. I thought he was more productive in the slot than on the outside. And since the Titans lost uh, Adam Humphreys as well as Corey Davis, I think Josh Reynolds should be, take over that slot position and, and be uh, real good. I think he's a threat. And I definitely think he's going to be more productive than the uh, injury-riddled uh, Adam Humphreys. So he's something, someone to keep on your radar later on in the draft. Wide receiver Sammy Watkins signs with the Ravens. And we can make this joke all day long, but uh, Sammy Watkins is going to be great because you can draft him. He'll have an amazing first week of the season, get you a couple touchdowns, 100 yards, and you're going to be all high and mighty on him, and then he's going to do nothing until the playoffs. Then the playoffs will roll, will roll around and he'll be pretty productive, and it'll make you think. Oh, next year, Sammy Watkins is someone I should think about. Happens every year. Uh, so if you do draft him, let him play his first game. He'll be outstanding, and then trade him and get uh, get some assets for him. Uh, so uh, because you know he's not going to produce after that, and it's the running joke that we have. We we always talk about it. Burke and I talk about it all the time. Sammy Watkins, great. First week player and then just disappears. So, uh, Ravens, th- there you have it. You're going to have a really good first week season with them, and uh, you know th- the rest of the time. Not that he's going to be a bad receiver, but he's just going to be you know Miles Boykin esque, I guess. Um, Lions sign wide receiver Bashard or Bashad Perryman. This is a good signing. He played for the Jets last year, and he's really been all over the place. But he's a good receiver, uh, and uh, you know the Lions, having lost Galladay, having lost Marvin Jones, I, I you know with, with Jared Goff, I think Bashar Perriman's uh, one of those guys that could uh, be a uh, be the the main target for the Lions. Obviously, we got to see what they do. Even if they draft a rookie wide receiver, it's going to take a while for that receiver to adjust. So Perriman might be the best receiver for the Lions, and, and the you know. The, the best asset, you know, for fantasy football. So it's a, it's a good signing. He's a good receiver, just uh, it doesn't get a lot of recognition. It's kind of, a you know, one of those low-key signings. Giants signed tight end Kyle Rudolph. We kind of just talked about it with uh, Kenny Galladay signing. It's, it's one of those things where Rudolph's a good tight end, and he left the Vikings, and, you know, this could mean two things, that the Giants are souring on Evan Ingram. They kept trying to throw him the ball, and, you know, the completion percentage to him is pretty horrid. It, you know they, they they were throwing to him, they just couldn't connect with uh, Evan Ingram. So it's one of those things where they're putting Rudolph in to maybe be the secondary tight end that can block because Evan Ingram wasn't the greatest blocker, or they're moving on from Evan Ingram because they're just not getting the production that they wanted from him. Uh, I look at it as their side Rudolph to kind of be the secondary tight end, and they're still going to use Evan Ingram, but they wanted a tight end in there that could be more consistent for them in the run game. So we'll, we'll see how that shakes out, but uh, I I think it's a good signing by the Giants to get a, a veteran like Kyle Rudolph on the roster. The 49ers re-sign off, uh, offensive tackle Trent Williams. He was one of the top free agents in all of the free agency period, and this isn't surprising, so it's not really something that we need to spend a lot of time on, but it definitely helps the 49ers in that rush def- or rush offense. They're one of the best rushing teams in the NFL, them and the Ravens. So this is just uh, I, I can see that continuing with this signing. Uh, the Bills re-signed wide receiver Isaiah McKenzie, which is it's, it's a good move. You have Gabriel Davis, Cole Beasley, and Stephon Diggs. Isaiah McKenzie makes a really good fourth receiver, and uh, he was really productive. I mean, he had a couple games where he had a couple touchdowns, and he was used a lot more than you, you thought he would be. And he's a good return guy. I mean, he, he's really versatile. Uh, I, It's a shame the Broncos let him go back in the day because uh, he's turned into a pretty solid uh, depth receiver. The Falcons, this is pretty big news. They signed running back Mike Davis. I like the signing a lot. You know, he was with the Carolina Panthers. He obviously wasn't going to be doing anything with Christian McCaffrey there. So now he goes to a spot where they're desperately hurting for running back depth and just a running back in general. Mike Davis has proved that he could be the guy that can take the load. Uh... Rushing, receiving, he can do it all. He actually fits into this Falcons offense, especially if they're trying to kind of run an offense similar to what they ran in Tennessee with uh, Arthur Smith. And uh, we'll see. I I like the signing. Uh, I definitely still feel like it's a depth signing that they need to, you know, they're probably going to draft somebody. I don't know if it's going to be the first round, but it's going to be in the uh, first two rounds of the draft for the Falcons. They still need a guy. But... uh, Mike Davis is a good running back to have in that type of situation, and I think he's fantasy relevant now. I mean, if he's there, um, depending on who they draft, he's either going to be, uh, you know, a top five round running back with the volume he can get in for the Falcons, or he's going to be draftable if they draft a a rookie running back. So it's something to it's worth monitoring, and uh, it's a it's a good signing by the Falcons. Eagles sign QB Joe Flacco. Don't need to get into Joe Flacco. That's just He's a backup. He'll be the backup. He's good veteran depth. He's not good, and uh, he's. In, but uh, you know, Joe Flacco's floated around the league since he left the Ravens, Denver, uh, Jets, and uh, now he's going to the Eagles. Texans. They released wide receiver Chad Hansen. I wanted to bring that up because when they had the injuries and suspensions to their wide receivers, Chad Hansen was pretty fantasy relevant. Like I even put him in some of my FanDuel lineups, and he produced for me. So uh this he's definitely going to have a market someone will sign him i don't think he'll get the opportunities that he had last year with the texans but he's not a bad receiver but uh his time with the texans is gone but i don't think the texans signed anyone that was uh you know significantly better than chad hansen so uh obviously there's not enough space on the roster form so he was let go Jets sign running back tevin coleman the 49ers running back and the 49ers just had way too many running backs. I mean, Jeff Wilson, you had Jarek McKinnon, you had uh, Raheem Mostert. So, uh, obviously you weren't going to make a play to retain Tevin Coleman. He goes to the Jets, and I like this move. Uh, the Jets have a lot of young running backs, but they don't really have much. And... uh I'm wondering how that whole backfield's going to shake out, but Tevin Coleman's a nice option. He's a nice piece. Uh, could be a nice piece of the offense, and uh, right now, I actually like him better than anyone else they have on that roster at the moment. Packers re-signed tight end Mercedes Lewis. He's the old man. He's like a <laughs> I don't know. He's like a statue. I mean, he's a good blocker. He was able to receive little bit i guess he had some receiving qualities for the jaguars back in the day but i mean he's like 37 38 years old and uh he's towards the end of the rope he's just a nice depth signing for the packers and um i don't know i like i like mercedes lewis as a tight end he's just not going to be fantasy relevant bear sign running back damian williams and qb andy dalton so damian williams opted out because of covid and once he did it i knew his time with the chiefs were done just basically everyone that opted out, there, there's not too many people that returned and were still part of the roster. Um, you know, Clyde Edwards Solaire, Daryl Williams, they were able to kind of distinguish themselves. There really wasn't room for Damian Williams at that point. So now Damian Williams is going to the Bears and he's gonna be the backup to David Montgomery. And I like the move. It really helps the depth for the Bears backfield. But I definitely, you know, I think it takes away from the uh, fantasy relevance that he had a couple years ago before the COVID uh, opt out. But uh, if there's injury to David Montgomery, he definitely is going to be worth, uh, you know, uh, someone that you definitely want to scoop up, sc- scoop up off the streets and throw them into your lineup. Andy Dalton. Um, you know, a lot of people are panning this move by the Bears. I like it a little bit. I mean, you had Mitch Mitchell Trubisky and Nick Foles as your quarterback. Andy Dalton, he, I mean, he's not a superstar, but he's not a bad quarterback. I mean, he was a great game manager for the Bengals. He made A.J. Green relevant. He made, I don't know, he made uh, made the Bengals formidable, a formidable offense. So him going to the Bears, I, I, don't, I can't see the Bears offense being worse. And you'll actually have a quarterback that will be able to get the ball to uh, Allen Robinson. And Allen Robinson, I think, is one of the best receivers in football. So if you just get a quarterback that can get him the ball, that's just half the battle. So I don't expect big things from Andy Dalton necessarily, but I expect bigger things than what they had previously. And it's definitely a step up for that offense. So people can hate it all they want and be disappointed. I mean, he's not an exciting name to have, but he's one of those players where he can get the job done and he can work an offense. I mean you saw the Cowboys when he was with the Cowboys. He wasn't horrible. I mean he, he started off horrible, but once he was able to ease into that system, he wasn't that bad. So uh expect the Bears to have a more consistent offense. Uh, Bill sign running back Matt Breeda. I love this signing. I love Matt Breeda. He went to the Dolphins. They didn't really use him. Before that he was with the Niners and he's a big playmaker. His biggest thing is he needs to stay healthy. If he stays healthy I definitely think he's better than Devin Singletary. Zach Moss, I mean, I wasn't that impressed with Zach Moss last year. I thought he could have done better, but he was a rookie, so I also think rookies get better as they've been in the league a little bit. So there's improvement for Zach Moss, but if Zach Moss doesn't take that next step, I really think Matt Breida could be a really good signing by the Bills and be a really good playmaker for them. He could be what Devin, they wanted Devin Singletary to be that he just wasn't able to be. So I mean, Breed averaged like five yards a carry. Good receiving, uh, running back out of the backfield. He's a little small, but uh, this is a good signing and something to to pay attention to when it comes to draft time. Washington football team. Uh, Washington football team. They sign wide receiver Adam Humphreys, and you know he's going to be playing that slot. So is that the end of Steven Sims? You know you have Curtis Samuel is he going to be in the slot? Like, I don't know. Uh, is it going to be Samuel and McLaren on the outside and Humphreys and uh, Sims on the inside? I mean, you still have cam Sims on the outside. Um, but it definitely bring some w- wide receiver depth. I really like the Washington football team and what they have at the wide receiver position. And it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out because I think who's ever in those, you know, outside spots in the slot with, uh, with Ryan Fitzpatrick, it's definitely going to be uh, fantasy-relevant. The Lions sign wide receiver Khalif Raymond. He used to play for the Titans. Man, Titans are just losing all their receivers. And, uh, again, this is an okay signing by the Lions. It's just a depth signing. He can return, so kick return, punt return. And uh, I, I figure that's where they're going to go with him there. Um, so it's, you know, is it going to be... Khalif Raymond and Bashad Perryman at wide receiver. I mean, it might be, but uh, that roster is not done yet, so let's see what they do. Raiders sign wide receiver Willie Snead. And the Raiders are going to do something that no one's ever done before. And this is how innovative the Raiders are they're going to have three slot receivers playing in like a, a slot receiver package. They're going to have Willie Snead. Uh, Hunter Renfro, and uh, what, they Nelson Aguilar kind of played the slot last year before he left. Um, So I I just don't see what the Raiders are doing with the signing. Uh, Everyone that they have is basically a slot receiver. Henry Ruggs, I think, is more fit to play the slot. So it's going to be Henry Ruggs, Willie Sneed, and Hunter Renfro all coming out of the slot and uh, catching passes. And they're just not going to have any outside receivers Everything's going to be in the middle of the field, and they're just going to run, you know, around the linebackers and safeties, and cornerbacks are going to, you know, sit around looking for action. Like, what are we supposed to do? Everyone's in the middle of the field. Um, we'll see if it works out for them. I'm joking, of course. I, I, I just am curious about why the Raiders have so many slot receiver type weapons on their team, and they don't have anyone to take care of the outside. Um, you know, hopefully Brian Edwards can live up to the hype. You know, I hyped him up last year. I I thought he would do well. Injury kind of, I think, played a part in that, but still. um, But as of right now, I don't see anyone that's going to man that outside spot for the Raiders and, you know, at least do it well. I mean, if you slide one of those guys out to the outside, I mean, you saw what Henry Ruggs did outside last year. It wasn't that good. And uh, I think that continues unless he actually is put into that slot position. So it's uh, worth – it's worth uh, looking at and seeing what happens. Um, moving on, the Jaguar signed QB, C.J. Bethard. And he played for the Niners and was a second, third string quarterback and didn't do bad. So I really think this means the Gardner Minshew is toast. They're not going to use him. It's going to be Trevor Lawrence and then C.J. Bethard, and that's going to be their depth. So maybe they have a third wide, uh, third quarterback somewhere, but uh that's looking like what they're going to do and it doesn't look like there's room for Gardner and some teams are going to be happy some fan bases are going to be happy because Gardner Minch is a fun guy to root for but uh he's definitely showed last year that he's a more of a backup type quarterback and not someone that should be you know the the guy taking the reins week in and week out uh running back Chris Carson he resigns with the Seahawks and this is significant uh you know, we'll see about Rashad Penny if he's able to come back from that injury. He missed all of last season. Um, that was a pretty horrific injury, which was unfortunate. And, but Chris Carson's injured quite a bit as well. But I like this fit. You know, you already know what he can do. Seattle already knows what they have in him. And he's just going to continue to be Seattle's running back. And, uh, I, again, I, I like the move. And it basically keeps their offense status quo in that regard. Mohamed Sanu signs with the 49ers. He was there for a short bit, uh, I think it was after he got cut by the Patriots. Um, I don't. He fits the mold of what they like at wide receiver. They like receivers that can run the ball, do reverses, screen passes. I mean, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Mohammed Sanu. Those are, uh, the, you know, all those guys kind of have similar skill sets where they're playmakers, have really good, uh, you know, yards after the catch ability. And so he fits into that scheme pretty well. But I definitely just think he's a piece. He's not going to be fantasy relevant by any means. And here's the biggest news that makes you scratch your head a little bit, but it's good news for the teams involved. The Dolphins had the third pick, and, you know, they they weren't going to get a quarterback. They knew they were sitting on a, a spot where teams wanted to trade up to get their guy. So they swung a deal with the 49ers. 49ers traded their 12th pick and then a couple first rounders after that, and uh, I think a third rounder even. Like the price was high. I guess that's what we're gonna take away from all this. Uh, The price was high. So if you want a franchise quarterback and you need to get them in the top, you know, five picks, you're going to be spending a lot of draft capital to get them. 49ers won't have a draft pick, at least a first round draft pick, in a long time. And so hopefully, whoever they're trading up for is their guy. And you know Trevor Lawrence is going to be off the board. You know Zach Wilson is probably off the board. So who does that leave? I'm thinking they're moving up to get Trey Lance. It just, you know, some people are saying uh, Justin Fields. And I'll be honest, we'll get into our draft preview after we wrap up this, uh, you know, 2020 reviews. But I actually like Justin Fields the best. I think he's my number one quarterback. But it seems like everyone else is going different direction. And they... You know, Trey Lance kind of fits their system a little bit of what they want, and they know they have to trade up to get him. So I think, actually, that's going to be their guy. Uh, There's a lot of rumors about Mac Jones being the guy, and I just don't see why you would trade up that high for Mac Jones. I think you can get him where you're at, or you know at least trade up in front of the Panthers to get him. But to go that high, I think you're going after a different player than Mac Jones. I don't think Mac Jones is worth the top three pick, so... I'm just, everything screams to me, Trey Lance is the guy at that spot that they're going after. So we obviously will see good, you know, uh, 49ers, I commend them. They have a guy they targeted as their franchise guy that they want. They went out and got into a spot to take him. And the Dolphins were able to capitalize on that and get a bunch of first-round draft picks. And Miami Dolphins GM is basically playing Madden better. Than Madden players. I mean, you had L- Laramie Tunsel, and you turned that into four first-round draft picks and a third-round draft pick. I mean, that's just—I've never seen someone create draft capital like that off of one player in my life watching the NFL, and it's really impressive. And I've really enjoyed watching it. So, although I'm not a Dolphins fan, I, you know, I gotta respect the game. You know, it's—I uh, I, like—I like—I said I can't do that in a video game and pull that off. So. Uh, but then the Dolphins turned around and traded that 12th round pick to the Eagles. So the Eagles move back to 12, the Dolphins move up to 6. So obviously there's someone that they're targeting in that top 6. They know the top 3 are going to be quarterbacks. Maybe 4 of the top 5 are going to be quarterbacks. So I think the Dolphins are looking at a tackle prospect or a wide receiver, and that's why they move there. They have a potential to maybe get the top wide receiver in the draft you know, by trading up there. Um I can't help shake though. Like even if uh, Jamar Chase was available, I know he's the top wide receiver rated in the draft by, for everybody, but I just can't shake that they might be going after Devonta Smith with that Alabama connection. Uh, Tua Tagovailoa has some familiarity with uh, with uh, Devonta Smith, so it's intriguing. I think that could be the case. Uh, you know, teams don't always do what you think they're going to do. You know, Henry Ruggs was the first wide receiver taken last year when. Uh, jerry judy was there and cd lamb was there so you didn't really expect that to happen and this could be a similar situation but it'll be interesting eagles drop back that's a good move for the eagles they can still get a wide receiver they can get a defensive guy that uh they maybe still coveted so it's a it's crazy all this the trades that have happened with a month left still to go for the nfl draft And I'm excited to see what ends up happening because we haven't seen this much action this early into the process in a really long time. And that about wraps up the breaking news. So thanks for sticking with me. And let's get right into the wide receiver review. It's the 2020 wide receiver review. Let's get the countdown started now. now it's time to finish off our wide receiver review going to go down the uh... top twenty and obviously start with number twenty some of uh... key things that i've noticed going through the list is what you're seeing a lot in this you know lower part of the t- top twenty is wide receiver ones that had the targets and receptions uh... And yards even but not necessarily the touchdowns there was uh, you know, a lot of receivers that, you know, on paper looks great. Target wise, again, looks great, and they just needed to get more touchdowns. Their their touchdown average compared to their target to reception ratio was just out of whack, and not where it needed to be. And uh, again, that's uh, you, you know, you probably draft some of these guys higher, expecting them to have more, more touchdowns than they ended up getting. Uh, But they didn't get it, and, again, that's the hard thing to predict is how many touchdowns is is someone going to be able to score. Uh, That's something that you can't really measure, and it's different from year to year, Uh, but you can base it off of targets. I mean, the more targets you get, the better chance you have of getting touchdowns, Um, but that doesn't always align. So, Rookie receivers, uh, there were some that were out of the rotation that uh, started becoming more a part of the offense, and those numbers just kind of skyrocketed from that point. So you see a lot of rookie receivers in, this, uh, in these rankings, a lot higher than in years past. I think rookie receivers are coming in and really starting to perform uh, at a record pace more than they have ever have. And that's more, well, it's kind of a mix between receivers are more NFL-ready based off the offenses they have in college, but then also NFL offenses are catering more to the college game and making it easier to utilize the talents that they draft instead of trying to make, you know, vice versa of having those players try to conform, conform to uh, to them. So uh, you have some of that. And then obviously the top ten you have, you know, the the trifecta or uh, even, you know, the, the four uh, stats that are really important. You have the re- targets, you have the receptions, you have the yards, and they have a high amount of touchdowns. That uh, brings them into that uh, higher echelon of wide receivers. So, uh, Anyway, let's just get into number 20. Number 20 is Nelson Aguilar, Las Vegas Raiders. He's kind of an outlier. He was one of those ones that's not a rookie, but was definitely kind of out of the rotation. And you saw kind of a mix of injury and ineffectiveness for him to kind of be the main guy for Derek Carr. Uh, he had 82 targets for 48 receptions. 896 yards and eight touchdowns. And those eight touchdowns were significant. That's actually a lot of touchdowns especially for only 48 catches. But uh you know, uh there's injuries to Brian Edwards and then he really didn't produce much after the injury. You thought Tyrell Williams would be the guy and he was hurt all year. Hunter Renfro was kind of a mixed bag like he worked in the middle of the field and had some decent games but Nelson Aguilar also worked best in the middle of the field so it was almost like they were using both of them there and they really didn't <laughs> you know Darren Waller was working the middle of the field it's like the Raiders were able to you know in in their passing game work that middle of the field and uh w- they weren't able to get it to their outside receivers i mean Henry Ruggs was a big disappointment he uh for you know his rookie year wasn't able to be the big playmaker that they drafted him to be and uh yeah it was just kind of a rough year for the uh, the las vegas raiders passing attack but it wasn't a bad year for nelson aguilar he turned that season into a great contract with the patriots and we'll see how the patriots utilize him but uh He was probably the the lone bright spot in that wide receiver core for the Raiders. Number 19, this actually goes back to what I was kind of saying in regards to the low touchdown rate. This is DJ Moore at number 19. He had 118 targets. And only had 66 catches on those 118 targets. Now, that's horrible. That's just a shade over 50% uh, of catch-to-target ratio. He had 1,193 yards and four touchdowns, so he, you know, with those amount of targets, you'd think he'd get more touchdowns, but you'd also think he'd get more catches. I mean, that just shows that uh, they were trying to go to him, and they just weren't able to connect with him. In, in my rankings, I had actually Tyler Lockett being at number 20. I had DJ Chark being at number 19, which you know, that was a miss in regards to D.J. Chark being hurt a lot of the year and and not being able to be utilized by that Jaguar offense. But, uh, regardless, uh, D.J. Moore, great receiver, gets a lot of targets. And with, uh, Curtis Samuel leaving the Panthers to the Washington football team, I really think that, you know, Robbie Anderson and D.J. Moore are going to kind of take over those targets that, uh, Curtis Samuel kind of leaves on the table with him leaving obviously Christian McCaffrey is going to dig into that as well since he was hurt all last year but it'll be interesting Uh, I still think there's a lot of room for the Carolina Panthers wide receivers to to have really good seasons next year number 18 is kind of it's kind of a weird uh weird ranking for this person Will Fuller for the Houston Texans He was targeted 75 times, had 53 catches for 879 yards, and 8 touchdowns. So Mm -hmm. a lot of touchdowns, like, you know, those touchdowns are actually what brought him into the top 20. He would have definitely fallen off if it wasn't for the touchdowns. But in his defense also, he only played 11 games because he was suspended. So he was actually a top 10 receiver until his uh, suspension, and... Uh, I mean, he would have been a thousand-yard receiver. Would have had a lot more receptions. Um, he he basically played what three a little under three fourths of the year. So that's a lot of stats that he kind of left on the table here. But uh, Will Fuller was a beast, and you know you're always worried about injury with Will Fuller, and that didn't seem to be the case. It was a suspension instead, but you got a lot of production out of him before that happened. And like I said, he was a top ten receiver, so. Uh, you were able to get that out of him until uh, his suspension, and uh, you got nothing out of him. So he, he he might have been able to carry you to the playoffs, just wasn't able to do anything once uh, you got there. On uh, my rankings, beginning of the season, I had Keenan Allen from the Chargers. And, uh, yeah, Keenan Allen did a little bit better than that ranking. Number 17 in uh, our review is Chase Claypool for the Steelers. This kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, you knew he was a great talent. People were drafting him because he played for the Steelers, and uh, the Steelers have done a great job at drafting wide receivers. But you didn't expect him to be the number one receiver on the uh, on the whole team, especially because he started off really slow. He wasn't really being utilized. It was more of Washington, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Deontay Johnson. And then probably, what, like the third, fourth game of the season, you just came out of nowhere, Uh, that Denver game. So maybe it was just the second game of the season, but regardless, once he started catching a couple bombs, they started using them more frequently in the offense. He had 109 targets, 62 receptions for 873 yards, and nine touchdowns. He also had 10 carries for 16 yards, but uh, what's significant about that is he had two touchdowns rushing as well. So 11 total touchdowns. That's really what got him into the you know at that number 17 position and uh, you know he's targeted a whole lot but again accuracy 62 catches on those 109 targets that's just a shade over 50 percent as well so uh, he actually had room to do a lot more with the amount of targets that he had but obviously you're not gonna complain 17's pretty good and uh, I had Robert Woods being at number 17 beginning of the season and uh old bobby trees did uh better than that uh he was you know five spots better than that so we'll get to that in a minute number 16 is old cd lamb surf and turf himself 111 targets 74 receptions for 935 yards had five touchdowns also had 10 rushes for 82 yards and a touchdown He was this close, just this close to getting 1,000 yards receiving his rookie year. And it's kind of crazy because with CeeDee Lamb, uh, Dak Prescott got hurt, and they had to go to basically everybody. (laughs) And uh, Andy Dalton was the the guy for most of the season. But, uh, you know, Ben DiNucci for that one game was horrible. But... uh, CeeDee Lamb again. This is where talent kind of wins out. You were worried about the, you know, the, the ball like where the ball was going to go. You had uh, uh, Mari Cooper. You had Michael Gallup. You had, um, well, you had Dalton Schultz. But even before Dalton Schultz, um, there's just a lot of people. <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> a lot of targets, and uh, unfortunately it was one of those situations where you're like who's gonna get the ball there I don't know who to draft and CeeDee Lamb was probably the last wide receiver that you drafted and he turned out to be almost the best I mean just a shade under where Amari Cooper was so if you drafted him you got a great late-round value and he really produced. Moving on to number 15 it is Amari Cooper for the Dallas Cowboys, 130 targets, 92 receptions, 1114 yards, five touchdowns. And everything here is really good. I mean, 130 targets. I think the only downfall again is those five touchdowns. You'd like them to be a little bit better, but uh, you know, they weren't. And I really think that uh Amari Cooper was really a, a consistent receiver. So you knew what you were going to get out of him. He wasn't one that's was going to win you weeks though because it was mostly yardage based. He didn't find the end zone as much as you would like. But uh solid receiver nonetheless and uh, you know top 15 play. And I just want to say, uh, on my rankings, I had Cortland Sutton at number 16, but I had Amari Cooper at number 15. So the fact that he finished 15, I had him at 15, uh, I'm going to brag about that a little bit. Really proud about that call. Uh, I think Amari Cooper was rated a lot higher than where I had him but, uh, I was just concerned about, again, uh, there's going to be a lot of targets to go around between all the receivers. I thought Michael Gallup would be in play a little bit more than he was. I didn't expect Dak Prescott to get hurt and he did. So, uh, I, th- I think that kind of hurt the wide receiver group a little bit as well, but, uh, yeah, it it was just one of those things where Amari Cooper was one thing at home, one you know another thing when he was away. He kind of shook that a little bit by uh, still being you know solid in regards to getting his catches and yards. It just again he wasn't scoring touchdowns, so it kind of evened out where where I ranked him is where he ended up. Number fourteen uh, on my pre draft or uh, my pre draft rankings, I had AJ Brown as number fourteen and that uh, that was not the case at all he was actually number 11 which we'll get to but number 14 was tyler lockett he had 132 targets for 100 catches 1054 yards and 10 touchdowns and you look at those uh, statistics and you're like man tyler lockett had a season 10 touchdowns that's amazing problem is he had like two games where he had three touchdowns so that's like six of the of the ten touchdowns happened in two games he started off the year really strong was actually like a top two receiver for like the first quarter of the season uh he, he couldn't he couldn't do any wrong him with russell wilson you know russell wilson was mvp uh candidate where everyone was shouting from the rooftops like russell wilson needs to be mvp look at him he's going nuts Tyler Lockett was that receiver catching those passes. And then a crazy thing happened was, you know, Seahawk, uh, Seattle Seahawks offense started settling down a little bit, getting kind of quiet, and Tyler Lockett did too. And it was one of those things where DK Metcalf kind of took off towards the later half of the season, and you can never pick the the right receiver that was going to take off. You know, was it was going to be DK Metcalf, was it was going to be Tyler Lockett. It was never both of them. It was one or the other, and it kind of turned into a guessing game of which one was going to have the better game but Tyler Lockett down the stretch just kind of disappeared and uh, like I said he he got you off to a hot start but uh, at that point it was probably better that you traded him because he really didn't produce much after that but uh, he produced enough to be a top 14 wide receiver and uh, that's a good spot for him right there number 13 is Keenan Allen for the Los Angeles Chargers he was just a beast. I mean, Justin Herbert looked for him everywhere. He just he had a great year. He was really consistent. Really liked Keenan Allen this year. Uh, 147 targets for 100 receptions, 992 yards, 8 touchdowns, and, yeah, everything about that's about right. Yeah, he did a little bit better than where I predicted him in the beginning of the season. Um, I, I just really like that connection with Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen. And uh, Keenan Allen you know he he was one of those ones that could just get open. He runs great routes. he didn't have the run after the catch ability that uh you kind of saw from him earlier in his career uh at least this season, and I think that hurt him a little bit because again he got a lot of targets with that amount of targets and receptions he should have got over a thousand yards and he didn't uh he was more of just like the security blanket type and uh but he has the touchdowns to kind of make up for that. Uh, anyways, at the uh, number 13 position, I had Calvin Ridley for the Falcons. You know, I thought this was going to be Calvin Ridley's breakout season, and it was. But I had him at 13, and Calvin Ridley did way better than that. So, uh, Number 12, old uh, Bobby Trees, uh, Robert Woods from the Los Angeles Rams. Had 129 targets, 90 receptions for 936 yards, 6 touchdowns. Also had 24 rushes for 155 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. So you add that all up, it's eight touchdowns total. And he's another one like Keenan Allen where, you know, he was close to 1,000 yards. I thought he should have had it. He didn't. That's what kind of brings him outside of that top 10. And there hasn't been a more consistent receiver the last couple years than Bobby Trees for the Los Angeles Rams. And I think with Matthew Stafford getting traded over there, that's just going to continue, and uh, Bobby Trees remains a, a you know a, a top option at wide receiver for this upcoming fantasy football draft. I, uh, I'm a big Bobby Trees guy. I wasn't so much this year. I thought there might be a little fall off, and the fall off happened with Cooper Cup instead. Uh, but that's what I like about Bobby Trees is even when you uh, are you know kind of going against him, he He's so solid and consistent that it doesn't matter. He's going to get his stats, he's going to get his yards, he's going to get his touchdowns, and it doesn't matter what you think. So I had D.J. Moore for the Panthers at number 12. Uh, I was off on that. D.J. Moore ended up, you know, at number 19. But uh, still in that vicinity. Uh, Number 11 is Tennessee Titan great A.J. Brown, 106 targets, 70 catches for 1,075 yards, 11 touchdowns. 11 touchdowns on 70 catches. So, this is what I like about A.J. Brown is, well, this is what I like about the whole Tennessee Titans offense. They're really efficient. They don't throw the ball a lot. They run the ball quite a bit, I guess, but they're just, again, they're efficient. So, Tannehill can throw the ball like 20 times and have like four touchdown passes. Uh, A.J. Brown can have like four receptions and score like, t- you know, two touchdowns on those four receptions. It's just, they're really efficient, and they get the stats that they need. They don't necessarily get the volume. And uh, this is the second year in the row that A.J. Brown was able to do that. And I, you know, going into the season, I, I liked A.J. Brown. I had him at number 14, so he did better than where I had him. But he's a hard uh, analysis uh, when you look over at his stuff because you're like, is that opportunity going to, you know, bring down his touchdown volume and maybe his yards and they don't. And this is the second year in the in a row that they don't. But if I was to do it again, I would still put him in that same spot because I'm worried about the the volume dipping into his touchdown total. So uh it'll be interesting uh kind of an interesting uh dilemma next year when you're deciding to draft him on and where to draft him at. You know, you, do you believe the hype that it's not going to matter? You know, it's like an Alvin Kamara at running back. He doesn't get as many uh, touches as everyone else, but he's just more efficient and productive, and um, sometimes that just wins out. Number 10, it's the best wide receiver in all the NFL. He just doesn't have a quarterback to throw to him. I think he would actually be number one if that was the case, but it's Allen Robinson, the second. 151 targets. He had 102 catches for uh, 250 yards. And, or sorry, 1,250 yards. He had six touchdowns, which is a low total, but when you have Mitchell Trubisky throwing you the ball, you're probably not going to get a lot of touchdowns. I I think if, you know, his touchdown volume was higher, then obviously he would be easily a top three wide receiver. But that wasn't the case. So we got to live with him being number 10. And I'll be honest, him being number 10, it's about where I put him. He was at number eleven for me in the pre-draft rankings, so he was about right where I thought he would be. And the reason why I didn't have him higher was because, again, I was worried about the quarterback play, and that proved to be right because Allen Robinson is talented enough to be top top three easy for me. Uh, anyway, uh, at number ten on the uh, uh, on my pre-draft rankings, I had. Uh, Adam Thielen, which he ended up doing a little bit better than where he was ranked, but uh, I'm all about Allen Robinson this coming draft. I mean, he was franchised by the Chicago Bears. He's going to be the the wide receiver, and it's going to be Andy Dalton thrown to him, and you might say, well, Andy Dalton's not much of an upgrade over Mitchell Trubisky, but I assure you, he is an upgrade over that, and you know, we forget that Andy Dalton was the one throwing A.J. Green all those passes when A.J. Green was a top-notch receiver, so we've seen Andy Dalton do it before, and now that he has someone like Allen Robinson to throw it to, it's going to be bad news. It's just, it's not going to be pretty, and I'm really excited about Allen Robinson this year. Again, more so just because he, not necessarily that Andy Dalton's an amazing quarterback, but he's an average quarterback, and he Seriously, Allen Robinson has never even played with an average quarterback. So imagine what he can do with an average quarterback. I mean, never mind a, an amazing quarterback. I couldn't imagine that. But just an average quarterback, I think, is really going to make him be a a big uh, big riser next year in regards to the rankings at the end of the season. Number nine, DeAndre Hopkins, 160 targets for 115 catches, 1,407 yards, six touchdowns. So again, I... I thought DeAndre Hopkins could have more touchdowns with how much he was targeted. But overall, he had an impressive season. And, I mean, 1,400 yards is just impressive. So uh, I was a little bit worried with DeAndre Hopkins about him moving to a new team. Sometimes that doesn't always work out. And, you know, the chemistry, they're trying to figure each other out, schemes. But uh, I had DeAndre Hopkins rated number eight. And the fact that he finished number nine... I mean, I feel like I made a good call and a good analysis on him, and, uh, uh, you know, especially with Larry Fitzgerald retiring, uh, I I know that they just signed A.J. Green on the Cardinals, but uh, I, I don't see that as being a threat to DeAndre Hopkins, just getting the same amount of volume and, you know, passing from uh, Kyler Murray and uh i expect an, even a better season from him next year because i expect those touchdown totals to be improved and uh the cardinals will work out some of those late season laws that they had in their offense where it was just you know a really poor offense uh especially against some good matchups they weren't able to capitalize on anyway moving along to uh, number 8 is a Justin Jefferson, Minnesota Vikings rookie sensation. I mean, this is another rookie. This is our, what, third rookie that we've had in the top 20? That doesn't happen too often, and it's happened here. He was targeted 125 times, had 88 catches for 1,400 yards, 7 touchdowns, and he was just a beast, and I loved Justin Jefferson coming out of college from LSU, and then he got drafted by Minnesota, and I'll be honest, I didn't like him as much because I thought he was more of a slot receiver. Vikings never go to the slot very often. It's more of a two-receiver set. You know, they have Davin Cook, who's an amazing running back, so they tried to run the ball a lot. I think what I didn't expect was for the Vikings defense to be so horrible that they were going to be behind most of the game and have to pass as much as they did but it really helped Justin Jefferson out and he did a lot better on the outside than what i anticipated and to be honest i mean what wow, he was the best wide receiver in the NFL rookie so i give him his props and he's going to be exciting to watch in the future and i will say that i think he's going to be a little overvalued this coming up draft um Obviously, we got to see where you know where the chips fall and where all the offseason moves happen and what how it all plays out. But um, he's gonna be one of those guys that I like a lot. I think he's gonna be great, but he, he might be a little overdrafted. Uh, number seven was Mike Evans. Mike Evans was targeted a hundred and nine times, only had seventy catches. So you're looking at seventy catches. You're like that's not that great for a top ten receiver, but he had one thousand six yards so he's over 1000 yards still you're like how's that a top 10 receiver 13 touchdowns 13 touchdowns is why he was a top 10 receiver i mean there was i can't tell you how many one yard touchdown receptions he had from tom brady tom brady was like i don't have my weekly touchdown pass to mike evans so uh, you know then he would look for him and and throw it to him it's just amazing like he was tom brady's security blanket at wide receiver and obviously there's injuries to Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown came late, and then had some injuries Mike Evans was their only consistent force at wide receiver the whole year and he had a dominant year, and I had Mike Evans at number 9, and I thought I rated him a little bit high to be honest and he did better than that, I just didn't expect Tom Brady to zero in on him like he did, and good for them because I mean he's such a big target he's I mean, he did great things with Jameis Winston, so why would we expect anything different with a a better quarterback than Tom Brady? So uh, moving on to number six is Adam Thielen for the Vikings. So you know the Vikings' defense was really bad, and the Vikings had to play from behind a whole lot when you have two Minnesota Viking wide receivers in the top eight. Um... Thielen was targeted 108 times, had 74 receptions for 925 yards, and 14 touchdowns. 14! 14 touchdowns. That's like a touchdown a game. And uh, it actually is because he only played 14 games. So he averaged a touchdown a game. Uh, He was one of those guys where you know he was going to, be the main guy, you're worried about the Vikings offense, they like to run the ball, he might not have got the volume that you would expect. I had him at, ranked at number 10, and he beat those expectations. He was better than 10, he got all the way to 6, and I, again, with if the Vikings are able to improve their defense, I don't see him repeating this right here, but he's still going to be a top, what, top 15 receiver for sure, definitely um a top 13 receiver, so I don't see him falling too much, but uh, I again, if they can fix that defense and stick to that running game, I think that's their preference, and especially with the Kubiak's son taking over that offense, I don't see it changing too much from uh, what their ideology is on it. Uh, number five is DK Metcalf from the Seattle Seahawks, 129 targets, 83 receptions for 1303 yards and 10 touchdowns. DK Metcalf, you know, the the knock on him going into the NFL draft was he moved like a battleship where he you know his his only route he could run was a nine route and he kind of proved everyone wrong. I mean, this is the second year in a row he's had really great production. He again was one of those wide receivers for Seattle where it was like was it going to be Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf? but DK Metcalf just came on at the end and was the guy. He was the guy Russell Wilson was looking for. He was the only one really producing on that offense and he had a top 5 season. And I'm impressed with it. I was uh I I figured Seattle was going to open it up a little bit more this year than what they normally do. And I didn't expect them to open up <laughs> you know quite uh, quite that much at the early season and then I felt like they got away from it and they were trying to play more conservatively and it really kinda hampered their offense uh, and definitely Tyler Lockett a little bit DK Metcalf and uh, that's the way it goes Uh, I'm trying to look at where I had DK Metcalf ranked and I had him all the way at 25 so for him to be 20 spots higher my rankings definitely was off on that. I uh yeah, he 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 did way better than I thought he was going to do. But he's an exciting player. I, I see that continuing. I think Russell Wilson again, they, they only throw to their wide receivers. There wasn't a lot of action for the the tight ends. And uh and maybe this year there will be. I mean, they got Gerald Everett from the Rams. I think that's a great threat for the Seattle Seahawks in regards to that tight end position. That might open up a little bit to uh, the middle of the field and create uh, more space for those wide receivers. But we'll see. Number four, we already talked about it, Calvin Ridley, Atlanta Falcons. Now, I don't want to hear any talk about who's in the number one receiver for the Atlanta Falcons. You know, and, and to be honest, we should have been having this conversation last year it's pretty clear that Julio Jones is just uh he's, he's been hurt the last couple of years, he's not the same. If he gets healthy, obviously I think, you know, Julio Jones you know, obviously stats improve, which is, you know, basically stating the obvious. But he's no longer the number 1 receiver. The number 1 receiver is Calvin Ridley, and Julio Jones has kind of lost that for a couple of years now. We didn't want to believe it because of how good Julio Jones was, but uh Calvin Ridley is the new number 1. It's kind of like in Top Gun where uh, the, what the, who is it, the Sarge or whatever takes Cougar's wings and then promotes Maverick to uh, Top Gun. He's like, you know, Cougar lost, it turned in his wings, now you're number one. You're going to Top Gun. I don't believe I'm saying this. Well, I don't believe I'm saying this, but Hugo Jones has turned in his wings and Calvin Ridley is going to Top Gun. He's the number one wide receiver for the Atlanta Falcons. He had 143 targets, 90 receptions, 1,374 yards, and nine touchdowns. He really started off the year strong, where, I mean, he was like the number one receiver for the longest time. And there was a little bit of fade again, the Falcons offense. But uh, overall, I mean, who can complain? Nine touchdowns. 13 almost 1400 yards and all in 90 receptions and I think the big travesty is you know being targeted 143 times I I would expect him to have a you know a few more catches than he had Uh, so he has room to do even better but uh, I I don't think this is a fluke by Calvin Ridley this was the one where everyone was expecting the breakout from, from him this year and he produced on it so it doesn't always work out that way where you predict someone to have a breakout and then they, they, you know, they have it. And it wasn't just me who predicted a Calvin Ridley breakout. I think everybody predicted a Calvin Ridley breakout. It's just, like I said, really nice for that to actually happen. Number three is Buffalo Bills wide receiver Stefan Diggs. And I can't say I saw this one coming at all. Buffalo Bills have always been kind of a... Play defense, run the ball, and Stephon Diggs kind of threw that out the window. Josh Allen's accuracy was uh, amazing this year, and that was was my big concern with the uh, passing attack of the Bills. I mentioned that when I was talking about Cole Beasley. Uh, Stephon Diggs was just on another level. I think the big knock against him was, you know, I think he could have scored more touchdowns. He was targeted 166 times. 166 times. That's like what like 11 times a game it's outrageous 127 receptions for 1535 yards and uh, eight touchdowns so 127 catches I would I mean eight touchdowns is nothing to sneeze at it's not like I'm saying that it's not a lot but with that amount of catches I feel like he could have got a little bit more uh, a little bit more touchdowns than what he did but uh, looking back on him, I'm going see where I have Diggs rated and I'm going to have to look back quite a bit because I had him at 28 so again it was like him and DK Metcalf were pretty close to each other uh, where I had him ranked and they both just shot up the the rankings board and uh, it's uh, again I I, 11 targets a game good things are gonna happen he's gonna get the stats that he needs and I I see another top five performance next year if it keeps up like this Uh, especially with John Brown leaving in uh, free agency it's, uh, obviously, that enhances Gabriel Davis a little bit, but, I mean, it doesn't take away at all from what Stephon Diggs is going to mean to that offense. Number two, this was a good call by me, but, I mean, it wasn't wasn't that good of a call because I was basically picking the, uh, the cream of the crop. Devontae Adams is number two, 149 targets, 115 yards, 1,374, or sorry, 115 catches, for one thousand three hundred seventy four yards eighteen touchdowns eighteen 18 touchdowns he only played thirteen games so i mean there's like three weeks in a row where he had like you know two touchdowns almost uh, two of them were two hundred yards uh, receiving uh, games he was definitely the number one receiver and i say that because he was barely et- uh, eked out by the number one guy But he only played in 13 games, Devontae Adams did. Devontae Adams was hurt for about three of those games. So for him to perform like he did and move up to number two is crazy. And it happened, like, overnight. He was ranked, like, the 54th receiver, and then he came back from injury. And then it was, like, two weeks later, he's, like, in the top ten. Three weeks later, he's, like, right there in top five, and it was over after that. Aaron Rodgers looks for Devonta Adams, throws the tomb all the time. You know, we thought this was going to be more of a ground and pound for Aaron Rodgers, and it wasn't. But we still ranked Devonta Adams number one. We thought he'd be number one, and if it wasn't for the injury, he would be number one. And I don't see that changing anytime soon. He's still going to be a top play at wide receiver for this coming up year, um, as long as Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback. And just a great season overall by Devonta Adams. I mean, you just can't cover him. He was so impressive. And that leads to our, actually I'll I'll tell you who I had at those spots. I had at number four, I had Chris Godwin for the Buccaneers. And, you know, injury definitely played a role on that, but uh, he's slipped all the way down to 39. Uh, Julio Jones was my number three for the Falcons, and we would already talked about that with uh, Calvin Ridley, but Julio Jones slipped down to 44, which, uh, you know, Julio Jones was hurt most of the year, so I think that played into it. He just wasn't the same guy. Number two was Michael Thomas, and we know he was hurt for most of the year, so that's like like one of those things like picking Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey. They were hurt, so their ranking doesn't really matter. They didn't meet their expectations just because they were hurt. And uh, Michael Thomas ended up finishing 100 because he only played, like, two games. But anyway, number one, and I had this guy at number six in my pre-deaf rankings, is Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver Tyreek Hill. 135 targets, 87 receptions, 1,276 yards, 15 touchdowns. Um, And he was just so electrifying. He had 13 rushes for 123 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, that first game against the Buccaneers where he had two touchdowns and 200 yards in, like, the first half, just outrageous. And then, obviously, the Super Bowl, he didn't do anything. So, uh, obviously, the Buccaneers were able to correct that. But Tyreek Hill was just a beast. He can do it all. He's so fast. Um, Again, rushing the ball, receiving. He's Mahomes' main guy. I mean, Mahomes basically throws to Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey everyone else just gets out of the way which they should to be honest because uh, nobody has that talent and uh, you know I see a little regression from Tyreek Hill I don't think he keeps it you know he's not going to be number one again again I had him at like number what six in my pre-draft rankings I kind of like that going into next year as well I think uh, he was helped a little bit by injury to wide receivers and uh Again, uh, the, the Chiefs have such a wide-open offense that I don't think they're necessarily like just are going to key on Tyreek Hill to get him his, his yards and stats. So I think, obviously, he's a talent. He's going to be a top-ten receiver, no doubt. But I find it really hard he'll repeat that number-one performance. But as someone who had him on their fantasy team, I can honestly say that number-one performance was m- much appreciated. And uh, really won me my my fantasy football season, as I'm sure he won many people their fantasy football season. So uh, that's it. That's the wide receiver review. It's in the books, and I kind of already told you what I think about it. Again, it's going to come down to you guys can predict the targets and receptions, and I think, again, you can get pretty accurate in your rankings by doing that the wild card in these rankings are always the touchdowns. You know, is this going to be a good touchdown year for that guy or a low touchdown year for that guy? That's how it's going to affect it. And then, uh, again, receivers coming in faster than ever. So, you know, I think you really need to start looking at these rookie receivers coming in for the 2021 draft. And maybe these guys actually uh, pull off some of the stunts that the you know, the 2020 class was able to do. And I, I give the 2020 class props because they didn't have the off-season activities and, the you know, the mini-camps that the uh, previous receivers have had. So it was kind of an anomaly, and you thought that would hinder their production. And instead, we had some of the best production ever. So uh, I think with the new receivers coming in, that's going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be kind of the expectation now like these are rookie receivers they're really good if not just as talented maybe more talented than last year's class and uh they should be ready to go and, and contribute so the, they're, they're going to factor into these uh top 50 rankings for sure uh once uh, I, you know the draft happens and things become more clear so there you go it's the review i'm glad you came along for the ride The show today is finito. We are done. It's over. Thanks for listening. This is the Burke and Ms. the Wiz fantasy football podcast. I am Ms. the Wiz Montalban. You can find this podcast on any major app, uh, Google, Spotify, Apple. Uh, Please like us, review us, rate us, all the above. It really helps the show. In the meantime, we'll be back at it again next week, uh, reviewing the uh, tight end position. And uh, that will conclude the uh, 2020 season. We'll wrap it up in a tidy bow and uh, get moving towards 2021. So thanks a lot. Cheers.